0: He has. <laughs> it's been rough around my house, preacher, but you're still saved by the grace of God. and That's good enough for me, amen. Preacher, I don't have everything this world uh, says I'm supposed to have. That's okay. I got everything heaven said I'm supposed to have. I just ain't got there yet. Uh, I'm there, but I ain't there yet. <laughs> Explain that, preacher. We're already seated in heavenly places. And there's going to be a great reunion one day and what, our, what I already have one day I'm going to experience for the first time. Expl- I'm trying to explain it and I can't, but I believe it, amen. And I'm thankful for that tonight. Thankful we have something to look forward to, amen. Thankful for the gospel. And I have, if you have your Bible, turn over to Proverbs chapter number nine tonight. Proverbs chapter nine. If you don't have your Bible, I'd encourage you to get one and make sure you bring it with you to church, amen? That way you can look what the preacher's saying and make sure it's coming out of the word of God tonight. Uh, I have no problem with being held accountable to the word of God. Uh, there's too many preachers get up out, outside of it and uh, they're okay with that. It ought not to be that way. And uh, I just want to preach, thus saith the Lord, and uh, let it help you tonight because no story I've got can compare to the word of God tonight and help you. But Proverbs chapter number nine, go down to verse number seven, we covered verses one through six last week and verses 13, uh, through 18. You had to make a choice which woman you was going to pick. And hopefully you picked Miss Wisdom this week and you've been practicing wisdom and you looked at Miss Foolishness and said, get on out of here. I don't need you no more. Uh, I, I, that ain't me no more. You, you don't even look cute no more. Uh, you need to go somewhere. And, uh, but tonight we'll look at two more people. Uh, and you have to ask yourself, which one of these am I or which one of these am I going to pick? Now look at verse number seven of Proverbs chapter number nine. I was studying, getting things ready for tonight, and my mind went to another verse in Proverbs, and I actually never found it, because I started flipping through the book of Proverbs. I said, man, we got a long way to go. <laughs> we go, we'll get there one day, and, uh, it just won't be today. All right, we'll get to the end of Proverbs. I, I broke it down. If we average two more per chapter, uh, we'll be in Proverbs until sometime next year. And, uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. Amen. Uh, I'll preach! We gotta hurry. We get through the Bible. Well, how about we just let the Bible get in us and let God take His time with us tonight? Because not everybody learns at the same pace. And um, but I'm thankful that He's willing to help us tonight. Look at Proverbs chapter nine, verse number seven: He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth to himself or getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he'll love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will yet or be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shalt. Bear it. Let's pray. The Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, grateful and thankful, Lord, to be in the house of God on a Wednesday night. Thank you, Lord, for a midweek service. Lord, I understand there's not a verse in your word tonight that says thou shalt meet on Wednesday night. But Lord, I sure am grateful, Lord, for Hebrews eleven twenty five 25, that thou shalt not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I'm thankful, Lord, that we come to a church. Lord, I get to pastor a pastor church and be a member of a church. God, we get there, the people were here early tonight, Lord, they were fellowshipping, Lord, they were enjoying being in the house of God tonight, Lord, for some of us, Lord, if not all of us, God, this is necessary and needed in our every week, every day of every week of our life, Lord, It's the midweek service, God, to help us get to Sunday, God, help us to get to through Thursday and Friday, Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to fellowship, thankful for this opportunity to worship Thank you, Lord, just for being so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for being a sweet friend that'll never leave us nor forsake us. God, you're always there for us. And we're grateful for that tonight. Lord, I ask you tonight that you hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, even out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God. I pray, Lord, tonight as well, Lord, as they're meeting on purpose, Lord, there in McCormick, South Carolina, Lord, they have the tent set up with, with preaching the gospel tonight. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that there still are some doing it, Lord. There's still some that are willing and, uh, uh, Lord, obedient to preach the gospel tonight. I pray, Lord, there'd be much fruit for the labor that's gone on there, Lord. I ask you tonight, Lord, you'd help us, encourage us from the word of God tonight. And we're thankful, Lord, that we we get to meet together. We get to open up a Bible. We We get to preach the word of God. We get to fellowship and we get to worship you, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the praise, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Like last week, we talked about uh, I introduced you to that bookend study method that I made up on the spot, how if you study the beginning and the end, we call it the bookend study method, it's not really a thing, but tonight, we call I'm going to call this one the double stuff story uh, study method. That's where you get right into the juicy middle part of the chapter, and that's where we'll find ourselves tonight, but we're going to preach on this thought, are you wasting your time or don't waste your time? See, tonight, uh, we're going to look at two people, one is the scorner and one is the seeker. Right, and the Bible tells us when it comes to one of these, we are not necessarily to ignore them, but we're not to waste our time on them, right? We're we're not to 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 get consumed with them. One is the scorner, one is the seeker. Well, the other one we are told to invest in, we're told to help, we are told to be in the ourselves in the Christian life. And, and bo- here's the thing, both of these start out as simple men. We 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 looked at the simple man last week and how he's to choose between wisdom and foolishness. And tonight, that same simple man or simple person needs to choose, am I gonna be a scorner or am I gonna be a seeker or am I gonna try my best to straighten the scorner out or try my best to be a blessing and encouragement to the seeker? And we're gonna see tonight that God tells us in his word tonight to to to, to, to don't waste our time With one of these kind of people, and to invest time in the other, right? The Word of God tells us to ignore one and invest in the other, and oftentimes we get it mixed up, right? Oftentimes we 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 invest so much time in somebody or something that really we already know that we aren't going to change their mind, right? We we ain't gonna we're not going to fix them, we're not going to make them do anything different. Right, and then oftentimes we neglect those that God has placed in our life for the specific purpose of discipling or encouraging or strengthening in their faith or teaching them what God has taught us. And so tonight we're going to ask ourselves some questions, am I wasting time on a scorner? Right, am I neglecting a sincere seeker? Have I lost my desire to seek God's wisdom? Have I developed an attitude of a scorner? So now we're going to ask ourselves, are we wasting our time with God's wisdom or working with God's wisdom time? We can answer these questions as we look at the scorner and as we look at the seeker. The scorner is the arrogant mocker. The seeker is that sincere looker, searcher tonight. But notice number one, we're going to look at the scorner. We find them in verses 7 and 8, and we find them right there at the end of verse number 12. Now the common line of thinking, and I came across this this thing as I was studying, and, and I heard a saying similar to this from my Jamaican soccer coach, um, But it is this, those who know less think they know more. And those who know more feel like they know less. Right, I remember Brother Dr. Ed Maccabee who had preached I don't know how many decades in a student of the word of God talking about right before he left this earth to go to glory, he made the statement, I feel like I'm just now getting into kindergarten in the spiritual life, the Christian life. And he had given his life to study and preaching the word of God tonight. And can I say it would do us all good to get around some people who understand that we are seeking and searching diligently for truth in God's word, but we also acknowledge the fact we don't know everything. Right, but here tonight we're gonna see the scorner thinks he knows everything even though he doesn't know anything. Right, and those that oftentimes know less think they know more and those who know more will... Honestly admit they know less than what they ought to know. But we see, well preacher, how in the world can we know if we're dealing with a scorner? Because people don't wear name tags, right? It doesn't say, hello, my name is Tayden and I'm a scorner. Right, it doesn't say that tonight. People, people, you know, sometimes you can can sense it on a person sometimes, but really, how do I identify a scorner? Well, if you look at Proverbs chapter 9, you can identify the scorner not necessarily by what they say initially, but by their reaction. How they react to what you say. How they react to what you are telling them. Notice here tonight, it says that he that reproveth a scorner. And it's not just how you talk to them. It's not in your greeting, but as we understand, the Bible gives us the great commission to go and preach the gospel. Right, and so when we present that to somebody, right, we gotta remember that the results are not up to us. We are called to preach the gospel. We're called to teach the gospel. We are called to present the gospel. We are not called to get people saved in that sense. We're not called to, to make them make a decision, right? That is the Holy Spirit's job. He does that perfectly, and I don't wanna get in his way tonight, but he has called you and I to share the gospel, but a lot of times that comes off as a holier-than-thou. What do you What do you think's wrong with me that I need the gospel, Someone may feel that way. And the reality is what's wrong with them was the same thing that's wrong with me, right? I was a sinner. I was on my way to hell, but Christ died for me. But we can oftentimes, you can identify a scorner is once you present them with truth that is in a corrective form or is telling them that what they initially thought is wrong, you can see a scorner by how they react to that. How they react to that kind of correction. How they react to that kind of teaching, that kind of truth. So preacher, what, how can I identify I, a scorner. Well, when you present them with the truth, you present them with that reproof tonight, that correction, right? There's a need, they have a need to embarrass you. Look at verse number seven. He that reproveth the scorner get it to himself, shame or to be ashamed of something. When you correct them, they embarrass you, right? Or when you correct them, they feel as if you have embarrassed them. Right, You you present the gospel to them on the workplace, you present the gospel to them uh, in a family setting or in a public setting in that sense, and they feel embarrassed because they feel like you're calling them out. In reality is you're trying to give them the greatest gift ever known to man. You don't see it that way, but this is how they react. Oh, you're gonna embarrass me? Then I'm gonna embarrass you. And oftentimes when it's somebody that you've known for your whole life or known for an extended period of time, who's seen your flaws, who has seen your faults, who knows your failures, they're going to pull them out on you in front of everybody. Who do you think you are? Why would you say that? Excuse me tonight, this thing is about to pull off my jacket. But why would you do those things? Why would you say that? Right, and so they come to you and all of a sudden now, you've embarrassed them, so they're going to embarrass you. What do you think you are, holy than that? I remember when you used to cuss. I remember when you used to do drugs. I remember when you used to drink. I remember when you used to do that. You ain't no better than me, right? And there's that need to embarrass. There's that, that need to cause shame. They don't just remind you, but they remind everybody else around you. In essence, here's their, here's their thinking. You embarrass me, I'm gonna teach you to keep your mouth shut. Ain't nobody gonna come embarrass me like that. You ain't perfect. You don't have to be perfect to be right tonight. You do not have to be perfect to be right, but you'll realize this. You'll present the gospel to them, and all of a sudden, they feel threatened. They feel attacked. They, they, they are disregarding the truth that you're giving to them for how they feel. And the Bible says that when you're dealing with a a, a scorner, one who is a, a mocking, one who thinks they know everything, they'll have a need to embarrass you. Not only that, they'll have a need to attack you. Look at verse number 7. He that reproveth a scorner geteth to himself shame. And he that rebuketh a wicked man giveth to himself a blot. That word blot means a blemish, a mark, a spot in that sense. In essence, they, they are they still operate under the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? You do to me, I'm going to do it back to you. And now we, we do teach our kids, listen, if you're going to talk trash, right? If you're going to cut up, if you're going to joke with people, you better be ready to take it right back. In essence, you can't cut up with somebody if you're not ready to be cut up back with. Right, it's, it's it's one of those things, if you're gonna dish it out, you better be ready to take it. But what we see here is they have this need to attack. Right, it becomes, here you are, you're trying to give them truth, you're trying to give them wisdom. Right, not only now have they embarrassed you, but now they're going to attack. They're gonna attack your character. They're gonna attack your, your family. They're gonna attack your church. They're gonna attack this. They're gonna attack that. Listen, I, I understand that when, a lot of things that have been said about me and said about you and said about our church tonight, 95% of them ain't true. Right, there's so many things that have gone on, and it's just people that they, they they feel threatened. Right, I can't tell you how many times. Like, I, I've never came out and publicly uh, cut down a, another church, right, except before the times where I knew they were wrong. Right, but I can't tell you how many churches around our area. Oh, you go to that church? Oh, that that that's your pastor over there. I heard, I, I've heard this before. I've heard that if you go to South Haven Baptist Church and you show up at the front door without a tie, they won't let you come in. <laughs> I'd be preaching to myself tonight. <laughs> uh, may, they, they, but they have this need to attack. And it's interesting because when you present them with truth, not only does it embarrass them, but now they feel like they need to retaliate. And here's what the Bible is telling us tonight that when you see this, right, when this is evident, right, that all you've done is present the truth. I'm not talking about being an annoyance. I'm not talking about being a pest. I'm not talking about winning arguments with them. I'm talking about you simply present truth to them, right? You give them God's wisdom because you see an area in their life that needs it, right? It it would make a beneficial difference to them if they would just do what God's word said to do. And so you, in a kind heart, grace and lovingly present truth to them, all of a sudden they begin to attack, right? We We are attempting to, and they're attempting to hurt us and they'll attack anything they can, right? Just like you don't have to be perfect to be right, you don't have to be, they're, they're, you don't have to, uh, lo- not, how am I trying to say it tonight? Uh, you don't have to love somebody to lie on them in that sense. They'll, they'll say whatever they can to attack you, right? That's why I have no desire to be a politician. I have no desire to be a politician tonight because it, all it is is defending false attacks, it seems like. Majority of the time, right there. But they have this need to attack. And then verse number eight tells us they have a need to alienate. Look at verse number eight. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. I don't know about you, but I avoid the things that I don't like. I don't avoid, or I avoid things I hate. Now, that's a strong word tonight, but I avoid the things that I don't like. Right, listen, if there's a full spread of food on the table, and I'm talking about, you know, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, all that good stuff, and there's a big bowl of peas right there, I'll work my way around it. Right now, if I, if I get through, you know, three or four plates and I'm still hungry, all that's left is peas, I'm just gonna go to bed hungry. No, right, then I'll deal with it, but here's the thing. When you come and present truth to them and you'll come in and, and with a caring heart and a desire to help them, tell them the truth, give them wisdom, and they're gonna, all of a sudden, this scorning, they, who do you think you ought to come tell them what the Bible says to do? I, I'm doing perfectly fine. I don't, need, I don't need your God. I don't need his word. I don't need your help. I, I mean, I know you. You ain't perfect. I, I've seen your faults. I've seen your failures. Your family ain't perfect. And and it's attack after attack after attack. And all of a sudden, they're going to withdraw from you. They're going to withdraw from you. And sometimes we feel like as they are withdrawing from us, we feel like it's in us. We have to go, we have to follow after them. We got to set them straight. We got to keep after them, keep after them, keep after them. Now listen, the Bible says that we are called to present the gospel. Right, and I think there's a right way to do this. You, you avoid things that you hate, you strongly dislike. Be a persistent wist, witness, but don't be a pesky, don't, don't be a pesky annoyance, right? That's why I, it, it, it irks me, it, it bothers me, right? Because I have yet to see one actually end up with something beneficial, right? You ever, you know, you get on Facebook, social media, and all of a sudden, everybody wants to debate theology. Here's the thing tonight, you'll never win a theological debate with a username. You won't do it tonight. And we we see it back and forth, back and forth. There's this desire for argument back and forth. We are called to preach the gospel. Yes, defend the faith. Yes, when you're asked, tell about the hope that was within you. Yes, know what you believe in the word of God tonight. But don't become a know-it-all. Don't become a pesky annoyance. Don't become one of the, I'm gonna set everybody straight. One of the first things I learned in Bible college, and I remember it sticks out in my mind. Brother Robbie Burton would tell us, don't you dare preach a message specifically for somebody that you've simply prepared it for them. And that's right? Somebody bothers you. Something there's an issue with you, and you're all of a sudden you 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 don't even pray about it. You don't ask God for nothing. You get in the Word of God. You get three points, a, a, a patch of the Scripture with a heart to straighten somebody out. But Robbie said, it "Never works that way. It never works that way." He said, "I, I did it. I, I tried it. There was an demand, and there was an issue." And he said, "It, it bothered me." And so uh, I, he said, "I preach a message specifically for him." I mean, I, he said, I, I didn't say it out loud, but I looked at him the whole service and preached exactly where I knew what he was going through and what he was doing. He said, that man shouted me on the entire time. Amen, preacher, you're exactly right. He said, before I knew it, he said, I got done at the end of the service and realized I had wasted an opportunity to preach the, the, the actual, you know, the word of God and to preach to everybody else but him. And sometimes in our life, right, we, we see a scorner and something in us says, I'm gonna straighten him out. God said, leave him alone. Nothing you say tonight can trump the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Matt, last time I checked, the gospel Right, the death, the burial, the resurrection is the power of the gospel tonight. It's, you know, it's the power of salvation tonight. If a man or a woman cannot be convicted by the fact that they are a sinner and that Christ died for them and wants to give them eternal life, if that doesn't bother them, no smart cliche, no smart Alec response is going to change that. And here's the thing tonight, we are called to tell, we are called to teach, we are called to present But look at this, the scorner has to make their own choice. The scorner will make their own choice. Verse number 12 says this, right? But if thou scornest, thou alone shall bear it. In essence tonight, God's not gonna hold us accountable whether they receive it or not. He'll hold us accountable for whether we present it or not. But once it's presented to them, once that seed is sown in the soil of their hearts, what they do with it is own them. That's why God said, leave them alone. And he said, in essence, present it to them, uh, give it to them, be an active witness in their life, right? I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say that they got saved, not because a man came by their table every day and, and 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 pestered them, right? They present the gospel to them and they live it out in front of them. And they're there when they need it, right? But verse number 12 is the reality, the scorner, they will bear it on themselves, right? It'll be their, their issue, their, their problem that they'll have to deal with. Notice they're to alienate their need to attack, their need to embarrass. Let me ask you now, are you chasing a scorner who needs to be left alone? Last time I checked, we read about the prodigal son. How many trips did the father make down to the far country? Not a single one. The Bible says when he came to himself, he said, it's far better at the father's house than it is in this hog pen in this foreign land that I'm in. I'll go back to my father's house and be a servant. So there was some truth presented to him. He said, you know what? It's far better where I came from than where I am right now. Can I say, the only thing that's gonna change a scorner heart is not your ability to talk them in and out of it, but it'll be the Holy Spirit of God dealing with their heart. Are you chasing a scorner who needs to be left alone? Are you attacking someone because in love and grace, they told you the truth. They told you the truth. They presented something to you. They didn't do it because they were better than you. They didn't do it because they were smarter than you or they were more spiritual. Than you. They did it because they love you. And they seen an area in your life that needed God's wisdom applied to it. So they presented it to you. And now you've taken on the role of the scorner because you already know better. You can't teach me nothing. Can I say, I was today years old when I learned something new today. We ought to constantly be learning. In our Christian life, notice we see the scorner tonight. They need to be left alone. Present it to them, let them deal with it. Then notice number two tonight, we see the seeker. The seeker tonight, verses 8 through 12 tonight. How many of y'all remember in school the teacher's pet? How many in here tonight were the teacher's pet? Right? Oh, not you, preacher. It's amazing to me. I, mean, I got to thinking about this today. How much of the social interactions and the social uh, motions of my high school time carries right over into prison life. It's crazy to think about. Now I gotta think, what were they trying to prepare me for? To be, to be successful in life or to stay alive in prison? And one of those things that it was is that, that I, I found this out in my high school life that when you, teach, when you treat the teachers well, they tend to treat you well just like it is in prison if you treat the guards well. They'll tend to treat you well. And so yeah, when I went into class, I tried my best to be the best student in the class. Matter of fact, my 10th grade year of high school, I was taking a test in my literature class and I was failing it miserably. I hadn't read the book. I hadn't read the chapters I was supposed to, I was just guessing. And it's hard to guess when you gotta write essay answers. I'm not talking about multiple choice. Had to write explanations. I didn't know what I was explaining. So what I did is I took my paper. There was extra credit. I didn't know the answer to that one either. So I'm fixing to fail this thing. So I went into desperation mode. I took my paper. I flipped it over where I was supposed to write my extra credit. I said, dear Miss McElmurray, comma, you happen to be my favorite language arts teacher. The way you present political devices like irony is amazing. I just went on and on and on and on. I filled the whole back of my paper with nothing but flattery and signed it. Your favorite student, Tate Wagner, Travis Wagner's little brother. She loved my brother too. I turned it in. I got it back the next day, 115. (laughs) A plus plus with a note says flattery will get you everywhere. Went to my 11th grade literature class. Me and that teacher did not get along. First day of class, she looks at me and she says, I heard about you. She said, your little notes won't work in here. If I'd have been, if I'd have been back in 2023, I, or school in 2023, I'd have said bet. <laughs> I'd have tried it at least one time. Then I found out, yeah, they wouldn't work on her. <laughs> it was, woo, she was out there. But uh. You we all know the teacher's pet, right? The ones that get along. But sometimes you get accused of being the teacher's pet when you're just trying to be a good student. You're trying to learn, right? You're, you're, you're trying to take in everything that is being taught to you. And sometimes that, that even finds itself into the church, right? You get somebody who's hungry after God. They read their Bible. They pray. They're, they're sincerely trying to serve God, right? And then somebody steps back and says, Well, don't you just think you're wonderful? What are you trying to be, the preacher's pet? Listen, if your name ain't Husker or Skid, you ain't my pet tonight. I've only got two of them. (laughs) Right, but here's the thing. Y'all not to be doing any of that stuff to impress anybody anyways. But when you are sincerely doing it, watch out because the scorner will show up. But don't let that stop you from seeking after God and seeking what he has to you. Sometimes we're accused of being a teacher's pet when we're just trying to be a good student. Notice here, here's some characteristics of of the seeker the one who's searching after God, the one who's seeking after God. Notice this, seekers love correction. Look at verse number eight. The Bible says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he'll love thee. You know that word rebuke carries a stronger tone than reprove? That word reprove means to prove again. In essence, I've already taught you this, and now I'm having to repeat myself. That word rebuke is a strong, it's a strong stop. You're doing it wrong. Quit doing it like that. It's a, strong, it's a strong language there. And here the Bible says a wise man likes that. What do you mean, preacher? If I'm gonna be a good Christian, I gotta like it when people yell at me? That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is a, a wise person or one who's seeing after God loves correction when it's in the right place, in the right context, in the right time, in the right, the right spirit in a sense. Why? Because if somebody's correcting me, that means I headed heading in the wrong direction or I I was was about to do something that wasn't going to work. When somebody corrects me, now they have placed me on the right path. Right when God corrects you, you need to be corrected. Because that means you're heading in the wrong direction. Right, I I guarantee you, if if your, your child was to come home from school and they have their math test and they wrote two plus two equals five, and the teacher said, good job, you got it right, you'd say, what's wrong with that teacher? Teaching my kids the wrong things. Right, and the same thing is true about a wise Christian. When God corrects us, it's not like, how dare you, Lord? It's, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, that, for correcting me and, and setting me on the right path. <laughs> Listen, if you're wrong, do you get mad when God tells you you're wrong or God uses somebody to tell you you're wrong? Right, a wise person. And I'm not talking about, they, they have to get in your face, drill instructor, tell you how terrible a person you are, nothing but a little mag. I'm, what I'm talking about is when somebody says, hey, I see you headed down this path. I, I, I see some things in your life and, and, I, and I've been where you've been and let me tell you, if you don't correct this, if you don't fix this, it's gonna be a bigger problem than you realize. Can I say those people that God puts in your life are listen to. Don't get mad at them. A wise man loves correction or a wise person, a seeker loves correction. Verse number nine, a seeker loves growth. Look at verse number nine, give instruction to a wise man and he will yet be wiser. Teach a just man, and he'll increase in learning. In essence, the seeker says, you know what? I don't know everything, but I sure would like to try my best to learn it. That's the beauty of the Bible. The Bible says his brother Jamie talked about how unsearchable his ways are. His knowledge is unsearchable. In essence, you could give every moment of your, your, your waking life that you have left to studying the word of God, and you will not exhaust this book. And a seeker says, you know what? Give it all. Give, give me all that you got. I want to learn as much as I can. In essence, wise people don't settle for close enough or good enough when it comes to spiritual things. You know, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm close enough to what God wants. No, I want to be all that God wants me to be. By right, the U.S. Army, when, they were, when I was in high school, they had that slope. Be all you can be. Right? No, don't settle for good enough. Don't settle for, for close enough. Be all that you can be. Know all that you can know. Because a seeker, a wise person, loves growth. Let me ask you: Looking back at just this year, calendar year of your life, how much have you grown in the Lord? Well, so, uh, preacher, I'm not sure about it. Let me ask you: Is it not? Is it because you haven't sought God, or is it because God quit seeking you? Right? So we see a seeker loves growth. We sing that song: "I want to know more." About my Lord, I want to know more about that homeland. I want to know more about this. I want to know more about that. I want to know more about his word. I want to know about, more about his work, what he had have me specifically and personally to do. I want to know more. A little Shiloh, she has become quite the, the, the seeker. She, she wants to get into everything and anything. Matter of fact, we was at the house this afternoon and by herself, she crawled up on the couch, crawled up onto the, 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 the armrest of the couch, Onto the back part of the couch. She didn't crawl up on top, but she was leaned up against it. She was flipping the light switch. Flip. We got three of them right there in our living room. she flipped the first one to see if that living room turned light, light turned on. She, that wasn't it. She'd do the next one finally turn on. And she'd look at us and smile. I figured it out, y'all. I understand. I'm learning. She wants to get into everything. Why? Because she wants to know more. She wants to know more. Let me ask you, where's that, where's that childlike faith at in your life? How many of y'all with kids remember what it was like when they went to that stage where every other word out of their mouth was why? Or how come? How to do this, how to do that? Let me ask you, where is that at in your Christian life? See, that, that as a parent, as an earthly parent, right, sometimes we got aggravated with that. Right? I don't know why we're doing this. We're just doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Dad, how's that car run? I don't know, son. You turn the key on it, it just turns on. <laughs> can I say God's not like that? When you come to God and you say, God, why? Or God, how? Or God, uh, how, what does this mean? Right? The Bible said he gives us wisdom liberally, upbraideth not. If any man lack, of, lack of wisdom, let him ask of God. Right? We say see a seeker loves growth. They want to know more. A seeker has a learned understanding. Verse number 10, they understand the source of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? A, a true wise person knows it's not in their education. It's not in the books they read. It's not necessarily in their, 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 their ability to understand and problem solve and critically think. But that real wisdom starts with God. The wisest thing you'll ever do in your Christian life is to ask God for help. Ask God for understanding. Ask God for wisdom. They know the source of wisdom. They also know the strength of wisdom. Look at verse 11 For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. The thing I can do is ask God for His, you know, to go to God, but then also ask God for help because He can add days to my life. Right now, we can do things physically that we, we, we know are, will make our, our life more healthy as we live, but nothing you and I do can guarantee an extra day to our life. God said, I can add days and take days off of your life. Right? I, I can give to you and do things for you that you cannot do for yourself. The years of our life shall be increased. A seeker has a learned understanding. They know the source of wisdom. They know the strength of wisdom. Applied wisdom is far more powerful than any personal ability. Then notice this. A seeker sees the lasting impact of wisdom. Look at verse number 12. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. In essence tonight, when you take God's word, and you apply it in your life, that doesn't make him any more God. He's always been God, always will be God. Whether you adhere or apply or heed his word and what it teaches and commands you to do doesn't do anything with his sitting and his placement as God. He's, he's, he's the Lord of lords, he's the king of kings, always will be, always has been. That's never going to change. But when you, I do, when you and I do apply his word to our life, it doesn't make him any more God, but it does make us more godly. It does make us more Like him, verse number 12 said, if thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. You living wisely doesn't make God any more God, but it does make you more godly, right? It benefits you on a personal level. God rejoices and he's grateful for it. But my, when he takes his wisdom and you apply it in your life, all you can do is say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for letting me miss that train wreck. Thank you, Lord, for letting me miss that mishap. Thank you, Lord, for letting me miss that mistake. Lord, I, I, you didn't benefit any more from this than than I could ever think. It didn't make you any more God. It didn't it didn't put you up a little bit higher than than Buddha or a little bit higher than Muhammad. God, you're already way above them. But man, it sure has benefited my life. It sure has made my life easier. It sure has made my life simpler in that sense. It it has it given me the the knowledge that I need to function in my everyday life. So let me ask you now: Are you truly a seeker of wisdom? Are you truly a seeker of wisdom, or not? Are you hanging out with the scorner and trying to fix them when you ought to become a seeker of God's wisdom or helping those who are seeking God's wisdom? I remember that learning and, and then teaching us in Bible calls that one of the best things you could ever do is run with them who are doing something for God. Run with them who are busy serving God. Run with them who are, are, enjoy reading the scriptures. They'll enjoy praying and, and, and seeking God's face tonight. Here's the thing. The devil doesn't mind letting you chase a scorner for the majority of your life. Instead of spending the time seeking and investing in somebody who's seeking God. Let me ask you now have you developed the attitude of a scorner? You think you know everything. You think that, that there's nothing else to learn. You got it all figured out. And when somebody comes to you and they, they try their best in love and grace to correct you, you have nothing to do with it. And I said, How about we don't waste our time on a scorner? And we, we spend our time, invest our time, seeking after God tonight. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, this evening.